in my career or <laughs> from the time I've come to this country, like I think there was like one advanced horse trial in this country when I first came, which was in the you know early 90s. And now, you know, the horse trials are really flourishing in this country. And um, the, the long formats like you see it, you know, Maryland and Kentucky and uh, et cetera, you know, they're still popular, but these shorter format um, courses and classes are popular and, you know, brings the local community out too. So, you know, it's become a sort of a sport, a proper sport and industry. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of riders now are making a, a living from, from this, which, you know, in my day it was, you know, you had to, ride at the racetrack or do something on the side this was something that you you know, just save money up to do whereas now there's so many people coming into the sport and you know lessons and selling horses etc etc that uh, you know it's a whole industry in itself welcome to the practical horseman podcast featuring conversations with respected riders industry leaders and horse care experts the show is co-hosted by practical horseman editors and our goal is to inform educate and inspire I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with renowned international eventer, Philip Dutton. Originally from Australia, Dutton grew up competing at pony club rallies and horse trials during his childhood and teenage years, and continued to pursue riding while studying at university in Australia. In 1991, Dutton moved to the United States to continue his training and prepare for the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, where he won his first Olympic gold medal as part of Australia's eventing team. In 2006, Dutton became an American citizen and changed his competitive nationality so that he would be eligible to represent the United States. Over the course of his career, Dutton has represented Australia and the United States in a combined seven Olympic Games and has earned two gold medals and one bronze. In addition to his Olympic medals, Dutton has won team gold at two World Equestrian Games and one individual silver. He's also been to six world championships and has racked up accolades including 13 USEA Leading Rider of the Year awards, Developing Rider Coach of the Year in 2009, and countless wins and top placings at three-star, four-star, and five-star events. In this episode, brought to you by Cosequin Equine, Dutton discusses how the sport of eventing has evolved since his first Olympics in Atlanta in 1996 to now, his most recent Olympics in Tokyo in 2021. He also shares his thoughts on the future of eventing here in the United States and the direction he believes the sport needs to move in. Before we dive into the podcast with Dutton, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Cosequin Equine, and share their message. Cosequin ASU Pellets, the joint health supplement veterinarians and champions choose when performance matters, comes in a tasty pellet preferred by horses and horse owners. The ingredients have been shown in cell culture studies to be more effective in reducing the breakdown of cartilage than glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate alone. Learn more at cosequinequine.com. Now let's dive into the episode. Well, thank you again for just taking the time to come and speak with us. I know that our listeners are absolutely going to love to hear from you. Um, So many eventers, equestrians in general, hunter jumper, and all across the sport just admire you so much. And I know that they are going to be so excited to listen to this. And um, so I can't believe I'm saying this, but the uh, the Tokyo Olympics were already like six months ago. Like time has flown. Um, and U.S. eventing got six in those Olympics. And I'm just curious, what was the experience like in, in Tokyo for you? Well, thank you. And it's a pleasure to be on with you, Julia. Um, 
it was uh, it was a you know great experience. Any Olympic Games is you know unique and special, and you know representing your country and being a part of the whole big uh, games and the whole world being a part of it. it it's pretty cool and amazing. And uh, uh, so you know, and obviously. Like I said, every game is unique. This one was particularly unique with uh, COVID and all the travel restrictions. And, you know, seeing the Winter Olympics now struggling, uh, you know, it's actually a miracle that it all went off, uh, you know, looking back on it now. And, uh, but, you know, the Japanese certainly went to great lengths to um, put on a superb Olympics. And obviously we were concerned about the heat and, um, uh, humidity and that kind of thing, but uh, everything was done really well for the horses. Um, as far as you know, trying to make the competition be at the best time of the day, whether it's early in the morning or in the evening, and um, all the you know barns and transport was all uh, you know air conditioned and cooled, and um, everything was uh, there was no stone left unturned um, as far as the Olympics go, and. Uh, you know, as a team, we kind of got left behind a little bit, uh, which was, you know, not what we aimed for. But uh, you know, it was, it was a certainly. I haven't been. We haven't finished as a team for a while at the Olympics, so that was a step up. Not that we're satisfied with that, but uh, certainly it was. It was not a terrible performance, but it was. You know, we were always hoping for better. And what did you think of Z's performance at the Olympics? Um, well, I mean, again, I was hoping for more. I mean, the dressage, he certainly, um, you know, I couldn't have got much more out of him there. I think that's kind of the, as good as he could have gone at that stage. You know, I'm hoping obviously every, every week you train them, you get a little bit better. So, uh, I'm hoping for better, better still in the future. Um, cross country, you know, he, uh, the, it was a twisting, turning, you know, undulating course and, then I got held on course and um, he kind of, so it wasn't an ideal day for us. I mean, I got a couple of time faults uh, and, uh, you know, and I, he got me out of trouble right at the end of the water jump, which I thank him wholeheartedly for. Um, and then the show jumping sort of didn't go our way. I mean, he is a great show jumper, but it just, um, you know, I'm sure all of your listeners know when you put all that time and effort and planning in it just doesn't quite go how you want and so uh, that part was a bit disappointing to me but I don't know you can't you can't get too uh you know despondent you've got to just sharpen your pencil and keep at it and uh keep getting better and you know the horse is getting better and I, I'd like to think I'm getting better as well so <laughs> hopefully we've got uh, better things in the future. And you've been to seven games in, in your lifetime and in your career. And what was the cross-country course in Tokyo like compared to other ones you've seen? I, I mean, I just watching it on TV, it looked so unique and stunning with the, the skyline view, and it looked like a really challenging um, track. So what did you think of it? Yes, I mean, it's it certainly dimension-wise, you know, just as far as size goes, it's not. it wouldn't have been that you know, wouldn't have been top of the scale for the size, but I mean, there was very, it was a lot of thought given to where the jumps were placed and uh, how to, you know, that would put pressure on the horses and riders to go fast and, or basically to make it harder for them to go fast. And, uh, you know, when, when you do that, then you put pressure on the jumps and the lines and, you know, 
when people are trying to save time on the approach to the jumps, well, then, you know, they take more of a risk. And so that was the case. And so I think it was a very fair test. Um, you know, we're going to touch on this a little bit with, with our talk, I think. But, you know, the, the sport's evolved and now you have breakaway pins that uh, you get penalized if you knock those down. So, you know, there's an element of, you know, your horse, you've got to do a bit of a a show jumping round around some of them as well so that you don't break a pin. And uh, that was influential. And, uh, you know, the terrain, like you said, it was unique. It's kind of on an Island and, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, going backwards and forwards and turning and, uh, but having said that, it was a very fair track. And, uh, you know, I think the best horses and riders come through and did, did the best. And yeah, to talk about the evolution of the sport, like I said, you've been to seven games, you've won three medals, two gold and one bronze. So what are you seeing in the evolution of the sport since your first Olympics in Atlanta in 96, correct? Yes. Yeah, so 96 was my first Olympics and I'm certainly aging myself here, Julie. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's it has come a long way, keeping in mind that, uh, you know, the sport was originally designed as training for the you know, the military officers, the cavalry officers. And so it, you know, it's come a long way since then. I mean, certainly in Atlanta, it was more of a, just a cross country endurance test. And, um, you know, that was my first experience and it was a great experience. So we, I was on the gold medal team for Australia there and, uh, you know, we blasted away on the cross country and then it sort of didn't matter so much what, what the dressage or the show jumping, um, what happened there and uh you know those in those days you know the cross country was so much longer it was i think it was like a 13 minute cross country course and then we had you know phases a and then the steeplechase and the phase phase c and then the cross country so you know it was a big day for the horses and then probably the next olympics which sydney and that was kind of um where things started to change um and you know there was more emphasis put on and i think a lot of the countries a lot of the horses uh the riders and the coaches and the and the team started to realize that uh, you know it, you know certainly the dressage we needed to be able to get that more um if you could get really competitive there and you know leave the show jumps up and then if you went fast in the cross country there's nobody could beat you so there's a lot more emphasis on those times went um went into the dressage and the show jumping and added to that then the you know through the fei it, the sport started to abbreviate you might say the cross country um and it wasn't as much of an endurance test and, and the phases a b and c were taken out so it's um you know it has evolved uh, there's certainly more emphasis on the dressage and show jumping now and sort of accuracy of the and the horses need to be more rideable probably cross country than they did before. Like the big, strong, just pull your arms out kind of horse doesn't really have a place at the highest level now that much. So, you know, I think it's been all a great evolution. Um, after Sydney, after Sydney Olympics, then it went on to Athens and it kind of took a little bit of a dip there. I feel as in the cross country and the standard and the, um, the difficulty of it. Um, and so then I think then there was sort of the powers that be decided that the cross country needed to be a little bit stronger still after that. And then it was uh, the China Olympics in Hong Kong. So similar a bit, I guess, to 
Tokyo with the conditions, and then London, which is right in the center of the, t- uh, the city, and uh, and then Rio, which was you know again a proper test on the cross country, which was influential. So, you know, I think in a way that that endurance and the fatigue on the horses is not as great, but certainly now the the difficulty of the cross country is still up there, and you know we're fortunate to have still keep great course designers that can, yes, in an intelligent way, sort of sort out, you know, make it so it's still a proper test without, uh, you know, making it too too difficult or, you know, making it unfair for the horses, put it that way. And looking even forward to the future, do you think that there will be any more changes? I guess evolution is kind of an always happening thing, but... Um, or can you pre- maybe even predict anything that might change in, in the coming Olympic Games? Yes, I mean, so, you know, in that, in that place there, and I think it might have been in Athens where they, the two show jumping rounds came into place. Um, and so that certainly obviously put more emphasis on the show jumping. And, you know, what we saw in Tokyo was, you know, by far the biggest show jumping that we've encountered in eventing. And so obviously there's more emphasis going into that. Um, and, you know, I touched on these, uh, frangible breakaway pins, you know, so that's playing a part, you know, it's not only just about, you know, in the, what you might call the good old days (laughs) where you could just like run your horse at the fence and it, you know, they were fixed there pretty solidly. They didn't come down. And, um, but nowadays, you know, there's a lot of them have these frangible pins that, uh, you know, with a certain amount of uh, weight that, that, that jump will break or let go and then you're penalized so that's uh, you know that part of it i think is going to be influential and obviously the flag situation is still um, an ongoing issue um it's it's very hard for a jump judge to be able to decipher you know what what part of the horse was inside the flag if they hit it and you know you're going pretty quick and um I, I still think that that's probably something that can be addressed, that will be addressed in the future. I mean, and I, I see, you know, there's other sports with like ski racing and that kind of thing that have the flag situation. So uh, this probably is a better way out there and a, a fairer way and, a, and an easier way to understand it as far as flags go, which I can see happening in the future. And hopefully somebody smart and intelligent can come up with a, a good system there. And you mentioned before in earlier Olympics, it was so heavy on the endurance and cross country. And now there's much more of a weight in the show jumping and dressage for you personally. Do you like that or did you prefer it the way that it was when it was so heavy on cross country? What are your thoughts? No, I mean, I've kind of embraced the changes. I think it's all good. I mean, it's good for our riding. It's good for horsemanship. It's, you know, you know, there's one thing to have, you know, that in, you know, just that brave, you know, horse that just takes on anything. But, you know, there's a lot more tact, a lot more sophistication goes into it now. Like, and and I don't want to come across to say, you know, the cross country is is not, in my opinion, is not any easier. It's just as less emphasis on, um, you know, that endurance part of it. There's more emphasis now right. on, you know, a good, clever jumping horse and a really adjustable horse. And I think all of that is good. Um you know, it's 
there was a time when basically the whole sport was filled with thoroughbred ex off the track uh, thoroughbred horses and you know that's um not the case as much anymore um you know and there's the, obviously a good thoroughbred still a good good horse in doesn't matter where it is but you know it has opened up you know for purpose-bred horses that are bred for that still have you know a big percentage of thoroughbred in them and so they can still gallop they can still go quick but they also been bred for their movement and their jump as well so you know it's opened up a whole uh, industry for you know a lot of people that have come into it so i think it's all been good and um you know it was you know like any change a lot of people don't like it or are against it um and you know i think uh, that uh, the sport's better for it and it's better for the horses and um you know also there's like a lot has happened uh, in my career or <laughs> from the time I've come to this country. Like I think there was like one advanced horse trial in this country when I first came, which was in the you know early 90s. And now, you know, the horse trials are really flourishing in this country. And um, the, the long formats like you see it, you know, Maryland and Kentucky and uh, et cetera, you know, they're still popular. But the shorter format um, – courses and classes are popular and you know brings the local community out too so you know it's become a sort of a sport a proper sport and industry and you know a lot of the a lot of riders now are making a, a living from from this which you know in my day it was you know you had to ride at the racetrack or do something on the side this was something that you you know, just save money up to do whereas now there's so many people coming into the sport and you know lessons and selling horses etc etc that uh, you know it's a whole industry in itself right and speaking of the how much the sport has grown like you said you you said there was a, what one advanced horse trial and now we have we're actually up to two now, five stars in the United States yes. with the addition of Maryland last year. So um, with the, this growth, what are you seeing for the future of the sport in the United States? Well, I think, you know, first answer is I think this future is bright and um, good. I think having a big base, a lot of people coming into the sport can be nothing but good. Um, and, you know, I believe that we have the, the USCA is the largest um, eventing organization in the world now, even bigger than England. So, I mean, I think that is all good. Um, you know, and a lot of people coming in that don't have any aspirations to ride at the highest level, which is fine. You know, I think having a broad base is good. Um, certainly, there's a lot of noise now. You know, what is happening with the future of our sport um, in this country? And, um, you know, they sort of did not renew Eric. Devander's contract, which on a side note, I was uh, disappointed with because I thought he was an incredible horseman. But I'm hoping that there's some good comes from this whole, um, you know, issue. And, um, you know, to be quite honest, the, the, it's a, probably an outdated um, job description that Eric had and uh, David before him and um, Mark Phillips before him uh, had in that you know, it was basically the one coach going around the whole country, you know, trying to link up with the riders and coach them. And, you know, in this day and age, like we talked about, the sport's grown so much. Um, uh, I did, you know, I don't think it's the USES job to go around coaching the riders. I, I believe that, uh, you know, there's a, you know, I think we're all 
good enough now and um you know have their own way of doing things it's up to each individual rider to you know present themselves and get them ready for you know whatever competition they're planning on and so um you know i i hope now that this uh, however it's planned it will you know take that into account and sort of base everything around that and you know if you look at the great or the successful riders in the world or the teams in the world that are that are really fronting up year in year out you know they're out competing at those top five stars throughout the world and the four stars and all the team competitions you know literally week in week out and i do think that that's kind of what we're missing in America that we just sort of keep, except for Maryland and Kentucky, we basically compete against ourselves. And certainly the COVID and that kind of stuff has restricted overseas travel. But I, uh, I really think, and that's what I'm going to be trying to do is to try to put some emphasis on getting to, you know, compete against the best in the world, because that in itself sort of usually elevates you know you and what the way you train and the way you aim and what your goals are and so i think uh hopefully the u.s riders can uh you know through this new program that's coming out which we don't know what it is yet but and who's going to be leading it but i, I hope that they they both base that around that uh what's this could you speak on this program i actually admittedly i'm, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about so, uh, you know, basically uh, the job description was, uh, you know, a chef to keep for the U.S. eventing. And so oh, yes. I, I believe that there's been a a group put, put together now that are looking into this and they're all kind of stakeholders, you know, representatives from, you know, they're all various parts of the industry like owners and up-and-coming riders and seasoned riders and uh, course designers. And so uh, they're part of this committee to, you know, navigate where, what we need in the future. And then I guess to write that job description and advertise for it, who might be interested in doing it. And so I really hope that they do come up with <clears throat> something that, you know, have a good vision for the future for this country. I mean, it does concern me a bit, you know, just I, it, you know, it sounds good and it's politically correct to be a stakeholder and to be part of the committee, but I don't think that's a guarantee that you you know exactly what the future is for this, what the future needs to be for this sport. And and by that yeah. I mean, like I could be, a, like I'm a Eagles NFL Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I could be a season ticket holder, but I wouldn't, for the life of me, know who to pick as a leader for the that team or or uh or you know what what players to select or whatever so you know mm -hmm. i i hope that, that that they get the right people that are going to you know um come up with you know something that's going to really strengthen this country for the next 10 years you know not a not a two-year plan but something that really uh, you know, in 10 years time or five years time, we can be leading the world. And, um, you know, hopefully that's their goal and something that we can all strive for. With the, that changing position and, and trying to be the best program in the world, what do you think that that is going to entail? Like you said, in like the next 10 years, like what kind of advancements do you think are going to be needed to be made? Well, I think we could model a little bit, on the U.S. show jumping and dressage model in that, 
you know, they basically have a leader or somebody who oversees where the um, riders and horses are going to compete internationally and then they basically help organize or put together those teams and they compete as nation, uh, you know, in nation cups and as um, in all the major, you know, four and five star shows, uh, whether it's in dressage or show jumping throughout the world. And um, not so much in a coaching situation, but just more overseeing and managing and certainly not saying that they wouldn't be able to step in if needed be, but it, it's not so much preparing the riders on a day-to-day basis and their horses, it's more overseeing, you know, which horses are going to go where and um, making sure that they're, you know, they've, they've got the right programs to, in, their, in their home to be able to do that. Right, right. I understand. Um, and then going back a little bit to just, uh, like I mentioned, the Maryland five-star earlier and that being now the, the second five-star on U.S. soil, um, just the seventh in, a, in the world. But how do you think that's going to affect, affect the competition here in the United States? Like, what is that the addition of this extra five-star mean for, for you and the people at the top of the competition? Uh, it's, it's nothing but a great, great um, addition. You know, like the more that you can get the Ollie Townends and the Tim Prices and Janelles and uh, everybody to come over, I mean, that's just uh really good for all of us and we have to do the same we have to go over there as well um you know and i think i think there's a place actually you know especially you know there's all different riders in in all parts of the ladder to get to the top you know there's i think we could utilize competing against canada or you know lots of different ways to do that as well so that uh, we can you know try to build up the you know, the competing as a team and um, riding together and, you know, traveling and all that kind of stuff. I think all of that's great. And, uh, you know, as far as the Maryland one goes, I mean, that was, you know, it was a great success to have it kick off like that. And, you know, all kudos to the Maryland government who got behind it and is incredible facility. I mean, I do think just on a side note, I do think that the you know, for some horses, the cross country was way too exhausting. And that, that's one mm-hmm. of the issues with the terrain there. So, I mean, I, hopefully they can look at that because we, uh, certainly in the cross country, we, it needs to be influential, but we need the horses to be able to, you know, finish well. And some of them finish very easily and then others like really struggled. So, um, but I'm sure they'll look at that and where the track runs. But uh, no, the more that we could have, you know, five stars like that, and obviously Kentucky's been a huge, huge boost to our sport. And, uh, you know, then the trickle down effect, I mean, at Bruce's field, we're having, um, you know, uh, event in Grand Prix there, there's some good money on there. So the more that all the competitions start to draw, you know, put some prize money on and draw, um, uh, other riders, possibly overseas riders, uh, you know, it's nothing but great for this country. And that's something that, you know, I think should be encouraged and looked at as well as how do we make the sport better here as well, rather than just going overseas. And speaking of that trickle down, um, and you mentioned it earlier, just the, the local communities of eventing, how do you think that maybe this will trickle down and affect those smaller, more local communities who are eventers and maybe they're trying to work their way up in the world. And what does the future <laughs> of the sport maybe look like for them? 
Um, well, I mean, I think that, you know, it is a great sport. I mean, it's, you know, arguably the, it's, you know, it's the ultimate in horsemanship and, you know, that horse, and, you know, if you get a great five-star horse, I mean, it's pretty unique what they can do in that, you know, be so settled and supple for the dressage and then, you know, be able to be bold and be able to go fast in the cross country and then come back on that third day and jump carefully. So, you know, it is a, it's a, an ultimate test and, you know, but with that comes so much years of training and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to buy one, one of those horses, you know, like in show jumping or dressage, you can buy a pretty good horse and do well with it. You know, it's, it's pretty hard to do that in eventing and, and ride at the five-star level. So, you know, I think that opens up a lot of opportunities for up and coming riders. Um, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to buy your way into it. You can, you know, you can work your way into it and you can develop the skills and the, you know, and the mindset of what it takes to, to ride like that. And, um, you know, and it's rewarding, even if you are starting at the beginning and at the bottom, you know, I have my daughter Olivia's here with me in Florida working away and it, and it's fun for me to see, you know, she's so excited to ride every day and, you know, sort of brings me back to, uh, what it was like when I was her age and just excited to learn and to, uh, you know, to bring the horses on. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, if I look back on my career, uh, the, the thing that's stuck by me probably the most is, um, you know, that I've probably been, you know, pretty comfortable on the cross country and been, you know, good at it. And, um, you know, the, the, you know, we talked about the importance of dressage and show jumping and I'm not in any way saying that they're not important, but if you can become a good cross country rider, it will hold you in good stead, you know, for your future. And, you know, the other two phases, you can keep chipping away at them. But if your basics are, are good in, on the cross country and understand it and can can go out there comfortably, I think that's probably, you know, my best advice for people coming up. And like you said, uh, it's, you know, so difficult to find these five-star horses that can do all three um, all three phases well. And earlier, uh, you mentioned that with the addition of especially show jumping, you kind of need more of a, a clever type horse that's careful. So when you're looking for potential mounts to compete at this five-star level, has has the evolution of the sport in that aspect where the horses need to be a little more clever, has that changed the way that you're looking at potential mounts? Like, do you look for different um, traits in those horses than maybe you would have, say, for the Atlanta Olympics, you know, back in 96? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, and that's, and it keeps changing and evolving and what you're looking for. And obviously you have to look for your strengths as the rider's strengths and weaknesses as well. And, um, you know, and the, the, the difficult part about selecting the horse is, you know, you can't like in show jumping, obviously you can go and try a horse at a Grand Prix height and know what they're feeling like. The horses in eventing, you're not going to go and gallop them over a five-star cross country course anywhere and then right. be able to try them and see what they show jump like the next day. So it's, it's always a bit of an unknown how they're going to come out of, you know, that experience the day before. And obviously, so there's so many things go into that is in, how they handle it, you know, so that's why I, I touched on, you know, horses that have, have that thoroughbred 
blood in them usually can handle the cross country better than some than the horse that you know is a horse that really struggles on the cross country. You know, even if you make the time, but they're totally exhausted, they're not going to recover the next day as well. And then it doesn't matter how good of jumper they are when they're you know feeling normal. You know, when they're really exhausted or knackered, you know, <laughs> they're not going to come out and jump very well. And so there's there's a little bit more to it than just finding a good like you said, clever jumper. They've got to be able to have the scope and the endurance and the ability to handle that the cross country relatively easily. And you know that's a obviously a little bit of exaggeration because it's never easy. But you know a horse that you know is working really really hard is chances are he's not going to jump as well the next day either. And in your career, this is probably a hard question to answer, but if you could pick one of your mounts that is your all-time favorite mount, who would it be? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that, that, that is a hard one. I mean, I, <laughs> I started out with a horse called True Blue Girdwood, and, uh, you know, when I've read in, you know, I, I don't know whether it's uh, doctors or psychiatrists, or you talk about something that changes your life. Um, and doesn't, you know, if that didn't happen, your life would have taken a different path, you know, and if you look back on, you know, some people it says it's college or some people it's, you know, it's a, a person who really changed them. Well, you know, for me, my, my life got changed by, um, True Blue Girdwood and, uh, because he was a horse I brought to America and, uh, you know, I'm not sure, and, you know, if he'd turned out a bit of a dud or, you know, he's a terrible horse. I'm not sure where I would have ended. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have stuck it out, put it that way. So I'd like to think I would have, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm giving the horse credit for it. So I've had some incredible horses and, uh, you know, and it, it's actually, I feel a little uh, not loyal in picking any of them out. I mean, I have to say, obviously, Mighty Nice, so won the individual bronze with and um, Rio and he he didn't have that thoroughbred breeding, but he found a way to try on that third day. So it sort of goes against a little bit what you'd pick. Probably the most talented horse, and I to this day feel I didn't get all of it out of him, was a horse called Woodburn. And um, I rode him at the World Championships in Kentucky, whenever that was. Um, and uh, he sort of had a premature death. He had a a pasture accident and um and but he like everybody i work with whether dressage people show jumping people or the cross country they all were just like taken with this horse and he you know mm-hmm. he, i i did well with him I, you know i think i was second at kentucky or whatever but there was still a lot lot left there and um and so he was the one that i i kind of if i have a you know if if all your wishes come true and you'd like another chance, <laughs> he'd be one that I'd, I'd try it again, again with. But, uh, you know, I'm fortunate Z is actually up there. I mean, every, like I said, I feel a bit bad picking them out because, um, you know, we've got so many, uh, you know, I'm really excited. So WEG is coming up in um, August. Have you started thinking about that at all? Yeah, no, I mean, I've always got a plan, you know, uh, planning, you know, thinking ahead for that, thinking ahead for the next Olympics. And, you know, you always got to have horses in the pipeline. Um, so certainly, um, I think, uh, you know, I've ridden there twice before. It's a, it's a, actually a great eventing facility. Um, it's not a great facility if it rains <laughs> because I got caught there one time in the rain. Uh, but, uh, the, it's got kind of volcanic, um, soil there and, uh, 
it gets pretty heavy and uh, it's beautiful, beautiful it, when the conditions are well. It just doesn't handle the rain quite as well. But uh, no, I, I think that will be a proper test. And, uh, you know, a uh, you know, cross country would there, I think, would be pretty influential there as well. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, you always, I think most event riders or most, you know, equestrians that are, you know, trying to get on teams or trying to represent their country, you always have that in mind, what's coming up and what horses, uh, you know, you're hoping to be able to present and um, and to do well in the selection leading up to it. And, uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's certainly it's still up a bit a bit in the air because most of the riders are working on their own now and not having a, somebody to bounce ideas off them like we have with Eric. But, uh, you know, that's probably not a bad thing. I think it's good for people to be able to stand on their own two feet and, you know, hopefully excited about what what might be coming up in, you know, what uh, direction and future that the USCF can come up with. And so the, the season is going to start kicking off in the next few weeks and, and months for 2022. We have Red Hills coming up and then Carolina and, of course, Kentucky in the spring. Um what are you thinking of this season ahead of you? Who are your your mounts for the five stars, four stars, three stars? Um, what are your what's next for you? Um, well, we're sort of in that, uh, you know, lagging up, uh, doing a lot of miles, a lot of trotting, a lot of flat work and uh, easy jumping. Um, and we've just started showing a little bit here in Wellington. Um, so um, obviously, Z is it the most experienced one I have and um, we'll see what the COVID and travel restrictions are like. But I mean, uh, ideally I'd like to take into badminton. I've been there. Um, I think I've been there four times now, maybe five. And I uh, haven't been for a long time. And there's been plenty of times that I've entered over the last 10 years and have not gone. And uh, so <laughs> we'll, uh, I'll maybe send that entry in again and see if we get there. But um uh, so he's there, and then obviously, like I said, Quasi Cool is uh, uh, did well last year. I think I'll probably probably aim him for an, a four star long. Um, ideally, for his career, I think it'd be better to do one one more rather than go to a five star. Um, and we have the well thoroughbred Sea of Clouds, so he'll probably go to Kentucky. He was a little superstar at uh, Maryland, yeah. and so mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he's step up from there and then um we have a new mayor actually which is a little unusual for me um called aspire which uh, she came from elizabeth powers in um uh ireland and so she should be able to do a four star long as well and then um the horse that bought a couple of years ago and has been plagued with stupid injuries uh, called Carlton so he's coming back and looking pretty yeah, good I know well so, oh he is good good yeah so we've got those and then obviously some up and coming horses that we're excited about so it's plenty to keep me busy can you tell us a little bit more about this new mayor aspire are you you typically stick to to geldings it sounds like <laughs> well actually I, I wouldn't say I do I just you know I just look for you know the right horse I don't really decide if you know don't really care what color they are or whether they're mare or gelding um and so carol g sort of called me about this one and um 
you know, still a, she's still a work in progress, uh, certainly on the flat, and um, she's she's not a by any means a docile, quiet, laid back lady. She's she's got a bit of spice about her, but uh, I like her. She's a I think she's going to be an incredible cross country horse. She's a great jumper, and she actually moves well. And so we just got to put the time in, and so she understands it. And uh, you know, we'll, there's, there's no great uh, no great goal or plan yet so we'll just see how she is when i come out and how we get along and uh uh but the got the moran clan that have joined in to buy her so carolyn and uh her brother michael and his wife ann the owners of her and so i'm excited to to uh, get out and you know have those guys really enjoy this mare and um, hopefully we can do well with her well, good luck down in Loxahatchee for the rest of the season. And I'm sure I'll see you at an event sometime this spring, if not before um, Kentucky. Perfect. Um, yep. So, but thank you so much for hopping on. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. Cooper. Thanks so much, Philip. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Philip Dutton. And a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Cosequin Equine. Learn more at CosequinEquine.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.